evidence and answers. It was believed that social media would unite us and bring us together. However, to most everyone's surprise, social media is proving to be a divisive force in our culture. How is social media dividing us? How is it changing the way we communicate and our relationships? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat and his guest will continue this discussion about the world of social media and how Christians can be a reconciling force for Christ in this digital world. Now, let's conclude this interview. Now, if I'm communicating to someone and they're just being a jerk and they don't care, I might speak a little stronger to them, but we can't tell the difference sometimes with words. And this is where I think we really have to find ways to see what's going on. Is this person just being a jerk or are we reading things into it? And, and they're just barely making it. They're, you know, they sound like a tough person, but they're just hurting and they're trying to interact in a way to express that hurt. And how do we develop that sensitivity on social media. Well, I give a lot of, one of the things I do in the book is every chapter, I give people uh, posting piece challenges where they can process their own life, uh, what they're doing. Does online, the online world reflect their regular world? But one of, here's like one example. I interact with every person as best as I know how, like they are in the room with me. That's good. Like, would I talk about this person this way if they're in the room with me? And I don't just do it with regular people. I do it with celebrities. I did this with my talk show as well, that how would I want someone to talk about me if I was in the room with them? Because often we talk about people as if they're ideas, they don't even exist. And so I think about this with town hall. Have you ever seen like an online town hall? And yeah. online town halls really aren't town halls because a town hall, you were in person, right? So if you said something dumb or something rude, the guy next to you could punch you in the face, right? <laughs> you, yeah. you, you couldn't just do whatever you wanted. Uh, I'm not you know, advocating punching people in the face, but we treat people different when they're in the room with us. We're more sensitive to what we say and how we say it. So I want to treat every person as if, how would I treat someone if they came into our church? Even if I strongly disagreed with them, I'd still welcome them. I'd still show love to them. And I would speak truth to them, hoping that they would repent and come to the Lord. So to me, that's a huge issue. Every person I interact with, uh, treat them as if they are you know, in the room with you. And the other issue is my goal of communicating is to build a reconciling relationship so that after our interaction, they feel closer to God and that we might be closer. Now, that might not happen, but that's my motivation. So I can stand before the Lord and said, I tried to communicate in a way where they experienced your love and also where we could grow closer as humans. Whether they accept or reject that, I know that that was my motivation. And, and I have many other things like that that I ask people to focus in on. But you got to be intentional with that because I get angry, I get upset, and but I miss the boat. And here's an example. In marriage, like when you're fighting with a spouse and you're in a bad place and you're fighting about who's right and who's wrong, it doesn't matter anymore the argument until you deal with your attitude, right? It doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong until you say, hey, I'm sorry for yelling. I'm sorry for being angry right now. Let's just stop and find the truth. Well, online, we're supposed to do that as well. So even if I have something strong to say, I better be saying it because I love that person, not because I want to hurt them because they hurt me. I, you know, all the things that we do when our tempers get, you know, active, 
and we feel offended by other people. So as Christians, it's work, but the Holy Spirit's going to lead us on that. God is with us in the room to lead us in any interaction. Yeah, that's a good principle that uh, you just mentioned there. I hope everybody who's listening to this uh, plays that part over again. So it seems like before you react to that person who has either attacked you or whatever, that you actually take time to pause and think it through. If that person were right here in front of me, what would I say? And does it cause reconciliation or is it just going to cause more anger? That seems to be a great principle uh, for all of us to follow as Christians and, you know, impacting. That's how we're going to impact lives on the Internet. Yeah. You mentioned, by the way, the pause part, which is a whole nother thing, is what's the strength of social media communication? I can instantly communicate with people. What's the weakness? I can instantly communicate with people. That sometimes we got to wait, right? You know, Jesus went away from the crowd to pray and get the Father's heart. And we have to pause. You know, I know for me that there's times where I just need to put the phone down or move away from the computer and pause and get God's heart. You know, why am I communicating right now? Is it because I'm mad? Have I lost focus? We all lose focus, right? But we pause, get a better perspective, and then we go back into that arena. Or maybe we don't. Maybe we're like, this isn't healthy. I'm wasting all my energy on an argument that doesn't matter. So I'm going to go spend time with my kids, my wife, my friends, and let someone else deal with this fight online. One of the things that you mentioned in the book that I think how social media is transforming us in a way that we may not even know or realize, but you talk about networked individualism. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, this really impacted me. Um, I was uh, reading from two scholars, uh, Rainey and Wellman, and they talked about this as a positive thing. They're Pew researchers, and they're saying the strength of the Internet is any need I have, like individualistic need, I can search out a network to meet those needs. So let's say I just love uh, Marvel movies, right? So I can search Marvel movie group and I can find Facebook groups and people you know, on Twitter who love that. And I can just feed that individual need to talk about Marvel movies. Well, what they've said is we do that with everything. So we have personal individual needs and we find networks to meet those needs. I have certain political agendas, so I find a network to meet those needs. I have certain you know, religious convictions, so I find a network to meet those needs. But what happens is we begin to use people primarily for our individualistic needs. And as much as they meet our individualistic needs, uh, we abide with them. But the moment they don't, we just leave them, we cut ties, and we go find another group. That, to me, is harmful when it comes to the Christian mandate of being connected with people, not just with how they feed us or help us or agree with us, but because we're called to love them. And what's happening online is we're having a lot of weak tie relationships. And weak tie relationships are relationships where we're just connected on one thing. So we're connected with this group about politics, the one thing, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, whatever, that one thing, or this one thing of, about our view of the economy, whatever it is, or, you know, entertainment. But weak tie relationships only unite around that one thing. Strong tie relationships, you unite with someone even though there's disagreements, even though you have diversities of opinions. It's not just about one thing. It's their whole life. And you're not just in relationship with them because they agree with you, but because you feel like you're called to be in relationship with them. And that's much more what marriage is or good friendships or what a healthy church should be. 
So that's a problem if we're doing all this networked individualism, meeting people on our specific needs and using them basically like commodities. As much as they serve my needs, I'll be with them. The moment they don't, I won't. So my goal is to try to build more strong tie relationships, which means to abide with people who have differing views on things, to still love them, to believe that being in a diverse community helps me and helps our society learn how to get along and walk through conflicts. Now, you talk about how networked individualism carries over into face-to-face relationships. And, yeah. and that's a danger, you say, right? Explain that for us. Yeah, well, you know, it even is that we begin to only see people as and love them and interact with them as much as they fulfill our need. And you could just think about your day, you know, whether you go to a barista or you go to get your hair cut somewhere. You know, when you get your hair cut, it's more than just a haircut. There's a person there, right? And as a Christian, it's not just about how they cut your hair. It's also just you try to have a conversation and show them love and and make a connection. Well, if we're just treating people based on how they meet our individual needs, then we don't care about any of that stuff. I don't care about talking to this person. I just need them to give me a good haircut. Or I don't care about my barista and whether she's going to college and how to support her and her dreams or her visions. I just, if you make my latte right, I'll go back. If you don't, I won't. And that's what's happening is we're beginning to see our relationships as transactional. And also, frankly, you know, if these people in person don't treat me well, I'll just go online and find people that I can connect with. So we're not treasuring those in-person relationships as much because they're replaceable. We can find someone else to meet our needs. Yes. And so that extra effort that seems to be a repeated theme on this interview here of seeking reconciliation, of of loving the person who may be very different or maybe even unlovable to us, but making that extra effort to reach them, uh, I guess, is weakened. Because the way we interact on social media overlaps into how we now are interacting in face-to-face relationships. Yeah. And we do. We only then begin to appreciate people or appreciate a moment as much as it meets our needs. Uh, It's even how we exist with people in a room. The moment we get bored... We go to our phones and we find someone to keep us from being bored. That at some level is devaluing the person in the room with you or learning how to be bored with someone or learning how to try to have a conversation when things are awkward. So we're not going through that as much anymore. The moment we get bored, the moment it gets awkward, we have a need and we just go find it. I'm going to go find a football score. I'm going to go you know, search the thing I want to search, go on Instagram and, and find something that feeds my emotional need. I think there's a problem with that. It takes us uh, from being present with people and really does make people like commodities we use. As much as you meet my needs, I will be with you the moment you don't. I'm just going to turn to someone else and have them meet my needs. Yes. And, you know, one of the things you say here in your book is that, you know, social media is supposed to make us more aware of others. But you say that social media does more than distance us. It exaggerates our self-centeredness. Yeah. I find that really dangerous. Uh, But explain that for us. Yeah, well, I think, you know, those are some of the things that I've been talking about here is the, the concept of if I see the Internet world as a place just to get my needs or my questions answered or fulfilled, then that's probably going to highlight some of the most uh, dangerous things in my humanity. 
we're not called to be in community because it's easy. For instance, as a pastor, it's hard to be a pastor. I'd rather spend all my time with my wife and and kids than I would with someone who's difficult in our church. But uh, I'm not called just to serve myself. I'm called to serve my creator. And my creator loves the people he's entrusted to my care. He loves that difficult person. He loves the people who walk into the church and who are messy, the people who I would not choose to be with if it was just about my personal needs. We all know that as Christians, you don't just do something because it's easy or that it you know, fulfills your needs. You do it because it's right, because God has called you to do it. And that, to me, is the big danger of just communicating with people based on them meeting your needs. We miss the Philippians 2. Jesus Christ uh, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he lowered himself and became the servant of all. To serve is not about my needs, but it's about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is part of our mandate as followers of Christ. Yes, you know, and I see that uh, even amongst pastors and those that serve on staff Mm. uh, at a Christian college and things. How it it seems more and more frequent now that we don't want to deal with the problem person or the difficult conflict. We just kind of want to just move on and yeah. do what kind of we want to do, or it's going to help us achieve my goals that I'm particularly working on. And well, I'm, and here, I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt no, you No, perfect. Yeah. One of the things that I talk about in the book, and this is another big discovery for me in, in my learning process, is I believe this is a big argument for me. The reason people reconciled more in the past than they do in the present is because in the past they had to. And, and this is what I mean by, by this. Think about before we had cars. Where was your network of people that you could interact with? It was people within walking distance, right? You could only go so far. You didn't have a car. You didn't have the Internet. So basically, your network of people that you could interact with were, were within walking distance. Well, that's a very limited amount of people. But because you had a limited amount of people that you could interact with, when you came up with a conflict, you tried to find a way to reconcile or go through that conflict. Because if you didn't, you'd be alone. There was nowhere else to go. If you didn't find a way to get along with your neighbors, there were no other people to interact with. If there's only three churches in your town and you don't get along with one, you can't go online for an online sermon. That is it. And so people learn to go through conflicts, to try to reconcile, to try to exist together even when they disagreed. Well, now we don't have to do that, right? I don't have to know my neighbors because I can just you know, find people online. If I don't like my church, I can find you know thousands of sermons and online expressions. So because we have access to more relationships, we are not valuing the people that God has entrusted to our care, and we're not doing the difficult work of going through a conflict. So as you mentioned, you know, whether it's college professors or, you know, well, there's, you're replaceable. That's kind of what it is. It's like, I, we, I don't need to work with this difficult person because I can work with other people. But if that's all you got, you know, if you got 20, 40, or 100 people and that's your network, you're going to work on those relationships. Otherwise, you won't have anyone to talk with or interact with the rest of your life. Yeah, and it's in that reconciliation process that we grow as individuals. Yes. Right? We yes. realize, well, okay, I'm, I'm a little hot-headed or, you know, the words I say really don't come off well or whatever. That's how we learn. But when we say, ah, I just go to someone else I'm, I can have a better time with and just yeah. kind of move. Oh, I can't get along with neighbor. Ah, I just go on the Internet. I got 
a hundred friends over there. Yes. That it stunts our growth. I notice in a in a lot of young people when they only hang out either on the internet or with people they get along with, and they they're you know stunts their spiritual growth and growth to maturity because it's in dealing in those tough times where you really get exposed to your weaknesses and your, yes. your selfish side. So there's there's a growth that doesn't happen there. That is so good. And and we know that, for instance, in any long-term strong tie relationship for marriage, right? Uh, marriage is not about just I'm happy and it's all going great, right? You walk through conflicts together because you value the relationship. You do the work necessary. And when someone comes to me and says, oh, my marriage is so difficult, and they'll explain to me the conflicts, and I'll say to them, that's what marriage is. What you're explaining is marriage. You can't get around that. You're going to have conflicts. You're going to have to find out a way to reconcile, to apologize, to forgive, to come together, to allow Christ to lead you. It's true in parenting, right? You don't just say, well, I can't deal with these kids anymore. They're just no longer my kids. Right? <laughs> you don't do that. You do the work necessary because the relationship is that important. What's happening also you're seeing is because we have less strong or fewer strong tie relationships, then we're putting more pressure on that. So we want more from our spouse and more from our family because all these other relationships seem so tenuous. A lot of youth, I feel so sorry for some of our young kids, is they have thousands of friends, you know, thousands of people with Snapchat or, or whatever the new platform that they're on that we're not on. But they feel like they have to maintain these relationships because they'll go away. Everything seems so tenuous. It's just, if I do something wrong, if I don't keep posting, if I don't keep interacting, if I don't keep streaks alive on Snapchat, then people will just disappear and I'll be alone. So we have more connections with people than ever before, but we often feel more alone than ever yes. before, that no one really knows us. And we would just disappear if we didn't keep posting. No one would really find us. They just go on to something else. So it's really creating an anxiety in our relationships at any age, but particularly with uh, children and youth as they're developing their own sense of self. Yes, and one of the things you say here, if we don't deal constructively with our disconnected online selves, someday in the near future, our, our divided online and in real life selves will look one and the same. Yeah. Yeah, explain that one for us. Yeah, that, well, because I, I found that is, profound. Yeah, and I think this is where it's heading. And that's why for people who aren't online very much, it's still important to read about these things and to think about these things. Because um, we it the dehumanizing of only valuing people as much as they agree with you, of not needing to, to even interact with someone because they're replaceable, impacts our relationship. So when a conflict occurs, instead of someone talking about it, they just avoid you and move on. And some people might have experienced that more. It's they're trying to, hey, there's something wrong. How do we deal with this? But instead of the other person dealing with it, they just stop talking to you and they go to someone else. So instead of walking through a church conflict, they immediately leave. We're seeing these expressions happen. And I think it's because our online world is training us in some of the most unhealthy ways to abide with people in person. We've been Talking with uh, author Douglas Birch on his new book here, Posting Peace, Posting Peace. So, Doug, uh, why don't you summarize it for us? You've kind of hit on it on several occasions, but, you know, as we start wrapping this up, uh, summarize it for us. How can Christians then effectively represent Christ and impact the world in a positive way for Christ in the world of social media? 
Well, first, we must take seriously the mandate to be ministers of reconciliation. The Apostle Paul says it very clearly that every Christian participates in that ministry, which is to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone. Reconciliation is that Jesus, what did he do? He reconciled us to the Father through the cross. We are called to bring that message to others. And reconciliation also breaks down the dividing walls of hostility between one another, between Jew and Gentile, male, female. You know, at any level, it's the leveling. It's we become one in Christ or we become a beloved community that loves each other and expresses the goodness of Christ in our in-person relationships. That is our mandate, whether in person or online. So regardless of how people are operating online, that I argue for this, that must be our goal for online communication. Two, we need to recognize that the technology itself divides us. And so mm-hmm. that's why I give all kinds of different things to look at where sometimes we don't even know why we're acting so angry or polarized. And the more we can be aware of what the technology is doing to us, the better chance we have to fight against that or not to to succumb to the worst aspects of the technology. And then in that sense, you know, I believe we pray and we ask the Lord to show us what a tremendous gift social media is, because social media allows me to connect with people I could never have connected with before. So with all the weaknesses, with all the struggles, it is still this amazing opportunity to bring the light and life of Jesus into a world that desperately needs it. And here's one thing you know your listeners could do that's very practical. If they died today, and I know this is very morbid, and <laughs> but if they, pastors do this, if you died today, you know, they love wow. saying that. But I'm going to say it. If you died today and I did your funeral, if I read your last 20 posts online, would that express who you are in Christ? Would that give a good expression of who you are? And if right now someone hearing that is like, oh, I don't know about that. Uh, Here's the problem. I see people only expressing one part of themselves online. So their last 20 posts are all about politics or all about something they're angry about or upset about. Now that might be a valid issue. But is that the full expression of them? And is that the presentation of the gospel they want to bring to a world that's lost? So I'm asking people to expand what they present online, to give a more holistic view of themselves, to see the best of me. Is it being presented online? Would people find hope and light, life and reconciliation? Or have I lost that? Am I giving up my authority to advance the kingdom of God uh, by behaving in ways like everyone else behaves in that aren't very redemptive? So that's the main focus of the book. Figure out how the technology influences us, what the gospel says, and then each of us are going to look at our lives and find practical ways to do a better job of reconciling, of shining the light of Christ, of being love and light in a dark world that's full of hate and anger. Yes, those are some wise words and great principles to go by since I've read the book, uh, Posting Peace here. Uh, It's really changed the way I approach uh, Mm -hmm. social media, even in the way I do emails when I'm responding to people who write the evidence and answers. Here. But the book is Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. You know, Doug, it was an engaging book. I think I read it in two, three days. But if people want more information on you and the kind of things you're doing, you've got a great website up there. Where can they get more information? You can go to fairlyspiritual.org or postingpeace.org, and you'll find my podcast. 
you'll find this book and another book I've written. And and I love interacting with people as well. And if you use the hashtag posting peace on your online communication, I'd like to check in on those as well and interact with people. My goal really is to serve others. I want to encourage, this is a hard world to live in. I want to encourage people who are bringing light and life to the world. And for you, thanks for having me on. That's how we do this. We facilitate better discussions. Uh, we don't just live with inevitable, you know, inevitable decline, but we contend for a better dialogue. And that's what something like this is, contending for a better dialogue. And we need to do that online as well. That's great. You've been listening to our interview with Dr. Douglas Birch. New book here that we highly recommend, Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. So, Doug, thanks for being with us here on Evidence and Answers. I'm sure we're going to have you back again in the future. Anytime. It was my pleasure. God bless you. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. You'll find we have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, your Bible study, or even schedule a conference at your church or location, give him a call in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Use our search engine for available resources. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share it with those around you. To keep quality broadcast, like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ... Check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log on at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucrat. Hey, 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 hey.